Today is the 22nd of October, 2023. It's the 8th lunar day of the 11th lunar month. So there's 7 days left until the 15th day of the 11th lunar month, which is the Mahapawarana day, or the end of the Pansa, end of the rains retreat. And that's for all the bhikkhus, all the monks who have been staying here for the three-month-long rains retreat. Also for the laity who've set their hearts on doing goodness and abandoning demerit, giving alms, uh, giving dana throughout the whole rains retreat, or every Saturday and Sunday, or every lunar observance day setting their hearts on following the eight precepts. These eight precepts, which is an important quality, which brings one to the state of non-return, or the anagami, enlightenment level. The five precepts is the parami that brings one to, or the parami of a stream enter, or once returner, sodapana or sakadagami, the five precepts. So we can feel proud if during a month we do this once or four times, like on all the lunar observance days. In the lunar observance day, or one prat in Thai, means a day that is exalted, a day that is the highest, a day where we set our hearts on building goodness. And for those who practice, and those who have ordained as monastics, they set their hearts and are intent to practice to make Nibbana clear. Nibbana is this pure emptiness, to bring our minds to this pure emptiness. So if we want Nibbana, or want to realize Nibbana, we bring our mind to make Nibbana the sole object of our mind. So we see that a stream enter, a sotapanna, has the object of their mind, the aramana of their mind is Nibbana all the time. The object of the mind is Nibbana all the time for the stream enter. So one still has one's body or children, siblings, grandchildren, husband or wife, family, and has duties that one must do to one, the duties of a mother or father, the duties of a child, and so on. Or if one is a monastic, one has the duties of a monastic or a teacher. But one has this intention to be close to Nibbana. And one sees with wisdom this clinging to one's body or others' bodies, and seeing it with wisdom, one suffers less. And so this quality, or seeing Nibbana, or having Nibbana as the object of the mind, and the, we practice to make the mind not suffer, this is able to bring the mind to not cycling around in the cycle of birth and death, the cycle of samsara, which is very long, we see that the stream enter has no eighth life. The stream enter still has delusion, but for no more than seven lifetimes. So 
this Shumantra has this desire to bring the mind to purity and has the object of the mind as Nibbana all the time, has this faith in the practice of generosity, virtue, and meditation, and has the, the wish to bring the mind to this pure liberation, and has dana, siva, bhavana, as this important quality in the mind. This is one who wants freedom from suffering, doesn't want suffering. We all wish to not have suffering and to be free of suffering, but just wishing that we still get suffering because we don't have knowing, because it's what we're familiar with. Even little things, we can cling to those. Venerable Ajahn Chah gave an example of this, where one senior monk was gifted a special or expensive teacup, a Chinese teacup. And whenever that monk would use that teacup, he would be afraid that it would break. But he didn't want to not use it at all, because then it wouldn't, then it wouldn't have value. So we see that a lack of wisdom gives rise to suffering. Then one day a novice broke that teacup, and then that elder monk exclaimed, well now I can be free from suffering. So we see that he had the wisdom not to suffer when it broke. So this is an outer thing, material thing. So we tend to cling to these valuable items like that, things that we own. And then when they're lost or gone, then we feel ill at ease, we suffer. We have sadness or disappointment. And we get these things and we don't know when our clinging to them arises. The mind clings to things that it likes, has attraction or affinity to. And the mind is born already, the mind is born into that right there. It's like we grow a tree, and we or plant a tree or grow a tree, and we like that tree. So the mind is born right there already. If we like anything, the mind is born right there. It's very quick like this. And we get things where you get used to them as well. For instance, for laity, for lay people having children, the mind is born right there with clinging. We feel that it's our child, we feel close to them, or it could be a husband or a wife. Our monastics cling, can cling to the four requisites. They cling to robes, shelter, food, or medicine. So the Buddha taught for the monastics to contemplate this all the time. We use these requisites. We practice to not cling to them, like not clinging to a robe, for instance. There's a story of one monk who was having clinging towards a robe, and he hung it up thinking that tomorrow he would get to use that robe, and he went to sleep. But then he died in the night, and he got reborn as an insect on that robe. So even a 
monk like that who had practiced for a long time still had clinging to this robe that was beautiful. So we see that using uh, the corpse cloth or the cloth that covers a corpse as our robe has great value because we don't have any liking or attraction towards that corpse cloth. We don't cling to it. So it has a lot of benefit. There's no clinging there. Just like staying at the foot of a tree, there's no clinging there. Because where we cling is where we have liking and attraction. That's where it's dangerous, like valuable items, things that we use to care for the body. Or it could even be something like a glass of orange juice. The mind clings to it, and that's where the mind dies, right there. There's a sense of me and mine, sense of self. So we have to be careful with this. Also be careful with the people that are close to us, like friends or family, mother, father, siblings, children. The mind clings, and the mind's not aware of itself, doesn't know itself. So we have to contemplate, contemplate that we must separate from all that we love. This is something the monastics are taught to contemplate all the time, to give rise to wisdom, but not to give rise to sadness, to give rise to wisdom. So for ourselves as Dhamma practitioners, we have virtue, we have Dhamma, so we have to practice. We recollect that the qualities of the Buddha, or one quality of the Buddha, that led to the Buddha's awakening as the fully self-awakened Buddha, this quality of giving, the dana parami, the spiritual perfection of generosity, and giving material wealth without measure, without count, over a great long period. The Buddha, a great amount of faith in this practice, or as a bodhisattva, and gave his life as a bodhisattva as well, gave his wife, gave his beloved children, his little children. This is something very difficult to do. No one else could do it. But the Buddha did it, so a great giving, a great act of giving, in order to reach the quality of generosity to make that full, to make that parami full for the sake of teaching all sentient beings. So we see that the virtues of the Buddha are truly great and immeasurable without bound or limit. So we contemplate this. And sometimes we may see we have loving kindness, but it's filled with attachment. We have this quality and feel we have happiness. For instance, some people have children, may give everything to their children, but they don't give mindfulness and wisdom. They give convenience, they give their child the things that they didn't get when they were a kid, and they felt like they had suffering before, so they want to give their child what they didn't have. But then, having done that, then the child can end up being weak or not strong, just attached to pleasure and convenience. So we see that Venerable Ajahn Chah at Wat Nongpapong, he taught torture, taught suffering to bring 
the disciples to wisdom, not to follow the wishes of the heart and mind, not to just follow after one's desires. In the past, there was one time uh, about traveling, so traveling in those days from Uban Ratchathani province, where Ajahn Chah lived, to Bangkok. It was not easy. And if one didn't have any reason to go, one wouldn't go. There was one monk he wanted to go with, Venerable Cha, and he was very happy that he could go. But Venerable Cha said, uh, don't be happy, because it's not sure the train might not leave. Are you sure that you'll go? It's not sure. And so that monk who had felt happy, felt very pleased with this, it was like a strike of lightning to hear that teaching. That teaching meant that there was no need for him to go. So the teaching was not to be stuck in pleasure, not to be attached to happiness. Because dukkha, or unpleasantness, or pain, we are not attached to that, we're not stuck in it, because we don't want it. But this pleasure, we get lost in it, so we have to be careful about it. For a lady, it's normal to get lost in pleasure. We have to be careful about this because it leads to suffering to arise. So we may not know ourselves. The mind just gets stuck and attached like that. So we have to contemplate to give rise to wisdom. So it's whether it's our children or other uh, beings we know, we see it as impermanent, it's not lasting, unstable. And it's normal like this. And then we train the mind to become peaceful in samadhi, to be able to be firm, to cling to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha as our refuge. This pure emptiness, this Buddha. You see, everything is not self, and the Buddha is in all things. All things are empty. So we bring the mind to be empty to realize emptiness. So we contemplate material form, mentality, whether ours or others. And then we contemplate that all the beings we care for, we must separate from. We have to experience that separation. So we need to train, need to practice, to make the mind empty a lot in order to reduce our suffering. We see that the stream enter sees everything as empty, as Nibbana, as the object of mind all the time, and as one who respects the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, as Nibbana, as the object of mind, and desires not to suffer, to walk the path of virtue, collectedness and wisdom, to see Nibbana in this life, and at least one can be confident that one won't be born into the lower realms, into the woeful states, and one won't have an eighth lifetime. So in this life may you strive. We see that that which covers the mind, wraps around the mind, is this Sakaya Ditti, personality view, deeply embedded in the heart, 
So whether it's materiality or mentality, one's uh, child, one's wife or husband, one's wealth, family, and so on. The mind clings to these already, so we have to contemplate, to practice, to use wisdom to see it as not self, to, to give rise to the experience of Dhamma. And this experience of Dhamma is something miraculous. Because when we don't know, we see everything in terms of self. So to see it as not self is truly amazing. We've never thought that seeing it would be like this. There's this rapture and happiness to seeing nature, seeing the truth of the way things are. So therefore we need to strive and have effort and perseverance to abandon that which we cling to, to cut off those attachments. So we have to train, train in mindfulness bring the mind to be firm, to give rise to wisdom. So we need to practice and train in this way. If we don't do it, we won't be able to see the Dhamma. We'll just be stuck in suffering in this life and the next life. We see that in this life we've had the good fortune to meet with the teachings of the fully self-awakened Buddha. So therefore may you strive, may you practice, May you have effort. The great teachers have been able to do it, so we must be able to do it as well. So we train and practice in order to realize it for ourselves. So may you all set your hearts on this, all monastics and all lady. May you all grow in blessings. <laughs>